Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. That's the song Ancestors by our guest Miko Marks. In the early aughts, when singer-songwriter Miko Marks was looking to launch her music career in Nashville, the mecca of country music, she was told by one of the major labels that she was too innovative and that she wouldn't sell records as a black woman artist. Well, today, the Bay Area-based Marks is forging her art and identity as a black woman in the white and male-dominated country music industry. And this song Ancestors is from her new album, Our Country. Miko Marks, welcome to Forum. Hi, thanks for having me. Tell us about this song, Ancestors. Oh, my God. Ancestors is... Can you hear me? I can. You're sounding great. Okay. Okay. Um, Ancestors is just calling on our forefathers for strength, guidance, and faith as we move through this world, through all these trials and um, just all the troubles that we've been going through um, as a country. Um it's like we need the guidance of our ancestors to help us along the way. Yes. So, so true. We were just having a conversation about some of the things that the America is going through. One of the things that I'm so struck by is that your love of country music does come from your family, right? Who introduced it to you? Absolutely. Um, my family um, originally was from Mississippi and they migrated north to Michigan for the automotive industry jobs at the time. 
So they brought the culture, the sound, the music with them and shared it um, throughout generations. And do you remember also the song that really grabbed you at one point that, that basically you know, made you realize country music was something you wanted to pursue? <laughs> um, I don't necessarily have a particular song that drew me, but Loretta Lynn and Coal Miner's Daughter, mm. that song stuck with me all throughout my childhood in a very poignant way. Like what? I remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was it about that song? Do you remember that grabbed you so much? The storytelling of the song, the story of, of the life. And it, it the song takes you on a journey and, and it, I love songs that take me somewhere. They don't just stay in one place. I like to go on journeys and songs. And that song really stuck with me as far as the picture that it painted of the life. Well, take us on your journey of trying to make it in Nashville. What did you experience? I was struck by something you said in an interview where you said, I realized that it took a lot more than talent. What was that lot more? Well, um, Nashville is pretty, is pretty uh, closed off to people that aren't from Nashville, you know. And so um, there were a few walls that were just quite too high for me to climb. Um, you know, the gatekeepers, um, there, are, there's, a, there's a reason why there hasn't been many people of color um, in the genre of country music that have had like, strong careers outside of Charlie Pride and maybe a couple more. There's a reason for that. Well, when you met with a label early on, you recall them saying they didn't have a place for you, but that maybe another label was open to more innovative things. What do you think they meant by innovative? Well, um, I couldn't help but think that they meant the fact that I was a Black female country artist, that that was something that was not the norm. And so I think it was a roundabout way of saying that I wouldn't fit the bill for country music. And do you remember the impact that that had on you? Did you, did you believe them? Well, I, I was kind of, I was taken aback, honestly. I was younger at the time. I, I had um, big aspirations and dreams. And I thought if you had the skills, you were going to make it, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was just that easy, but um, little did I know um, it's not. It's not that easy, and I was I was hurt. I was um, taken aback, and I was just like, kind of. I was almost befuddled at the whole thing, like really. But I learned in all in all my years since that it takes a lot more than just talent to make it in the music business. And, you know, even to this day, I was struck by a stat from the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative at, at USC that, that finds that between 2014 and 2018, that still 84% of artists on Billboard's year-end country charts are men. Uh, women, people of color, just are yes. not represented in those charts. They're not played. Uh, and, and being played really is such a big part of uh, being recognized by the industry. Right, it is a big part. I, I want to play another song from your new album, Our Country. This one is called Good Night, America. And uh, we'll talk about it right after we hear a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. 
Miko Mark's album, Our Country. You've described this song as something you've never done before. It really calls out, as we just heard in that lyric, America's lies. How how was this in some ways new ground for you, Miko Marx? Well, this song was brought to me by Justin Phipps, who actually wrote the song. And um, it was so striking and true and poignant. Um, that I had to do the song. Um, I had never done anything like it before. Um, I'm usually like the happy-go-lucky singer (laughs) and um, everything's just like rosy. And this is the truth. It's not rosy. You know, um, I've never really been political in my music, music, so this was like a definite departure from from that. We're talking with Um, me, yeah. Uh, I, I want to invite our listeners, if they want to join the conversation or have any questions for you, to do so at 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email us at forum at kqed.org. And, and sorry, Miko Marks, go ahead, finish your thought. Oh, um, I, was just, I was just drawn to this song because it really shined a light on America and its roots and its problems and how, we, how do we find a path forward. You know, it's like laying to bed all the all the wrongs, putting all the wrongs that America has done and attributed to um, to where we are today. We, you know, to really see that. And was Goodnight America the song that that brought you out of what's been described as your hiatus? I mean, Our Country is the first full length album that you've done in more than a decade. Was this the right? Song? Goodnight yeah. America. Yeah, it was the song that brought me out, and it was not intended to be an album. I don't think it was just the sand standalone song, but then it turned out so so well um, that we were like, let's keep going over at Red Tone Records, which is awesome. So now I have a project that I never saw until midway through, <laughs> and it really feels like it's it's brought that message of Goodnight America, that it's that it's brought other songs for you. I was struck by, for example, your song, We Are Here, which mentions poison in the water, referencing Flint, your hometown. I mean, it feels like you really are speaking your your mind and, and being more political. And I, I wonder how that feels for you. Um, it feels empowering uh, to be able to create music for the times that we are in right now. And um, having a voice in the conversation, it feels really empowering. And I'm, I'm hoping that the music resonates with the listener in a way to where they do some self-reflection and really, um, really look within to find a way forward or some solutions or, you know, be touched by the music to want to be called to action. Why did you take that hiatus, Miko Marks? 
Well, I didn't take on hiatus. Um, I just didn't record another album. Um, I toured with the Bill Pickett Rodeo. I played around the Bay Area. We have a few country music places. And I, ha- I had a residency at the Oberlin down in um, Jack London Square. So I was still making music. And occasionally I go on the tour if people ask me to go, you know, like, hey, come to Nevada for the Western folk life and perform for us here. So I was still creating, just not in a recording type way. That's such a great clarification. And, I, and I'm glad you made it. Um, I want to just remind listeners that your new album, Our Country, comes out March 26th. And uh, I want to talk to you about the Grammys. So Mickey Guyton, another Black woman country artist, will be performing at the weekend's Grammys, um, you know, an international stage. She's also the first Black female artist nominated for country music, for a country music Grammy. Like, what, what is your reaction to that? I am so excited for Mickey. I am so thrilled that um, her standalone song, Black Like Me, <laughs> is getting the recognition it deserves. And um, I just see there's so many of us now, whereas in 2005 when I started, there were, I don't remember <laughs> anyone else. <laughs> well, now there's Mickey Guyton, there's Reese Palmer, there's Brittany Spencer, Raina Reynolds, Willie Jones. I mean, the list goes on and on um, of people of color that are doing country music and really doing it in an authentic and true to self way. So I'm excited. I can't wait to watch Mickey. I'm doing a Zoom with a bunch of other country music singers, and we're going to watch her take home the gold. Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) That kind of visibility. What do you think it can do for other women of color wanting to sing country music? It uh, lets you know you can do it. It's possible. Um, For so long, I think people who enjoy, people of color who enjoy country music, they've been taught this thing like it's not for you on a certain level. Um, But uh, the more we see ourselves reflected in, in the music, the more appreciation. So this could actually be good for the country music industry as a whole to spice things up. What do you mean by taught that this isn't for you? Well, um, I know for my personal experience, when I was growing up listening to country music, my peers would be like, oh, you like that music? That's, that's for white people. And it's like, I didn't think music had a, a color or, you know, I love all kinds of music. So I think there's a myth out there that's being subliminally taught. Mm when the music is for everyone music is we help build country music so how could we not have a a place or a part in that we're talking with oakland-based singer-songwriter miko marks about being a black woman in country music and you're listening to forum i'm mina kim i love that story um I think it was in the New York Times in the interview that you did there, Miko Marks, where you left flowers in Reese Palmer's dressing room when she played the Opry for the first time and you didn't even know her. And I wondered no. why you did that. I did that because I wanted her to know that I saw her and I appreciate it and I wanted to give her 
flowers for such a great accomplishment, you know? And um, I think that is the spirit that we have now moving forward is the support of one another. Um, I didn't have to know her. I wanted her to know I was happy for her. And I saw her clearly doing well. You were mentioning that, um, you know, when you were doing it, there were very few black women and now you feel like there are so many more and it really feels like it is so much about supporting and lifting each other up and having that support is so critical. It is. And it's very, very refreshing because sometimes the music industry can be like, oh, it's all about me first or, or, but no, there's unity. I'm just as happy to see Reese and Mickey soar just as I'm happy for myself. I'm happy for anyone who's working hard and has what it takes to be at the top. I'm happy and I support that. Well, this listener writes, we're in the in-between time. More people are getting vaccinated. What are your hopes or plans to perform your album, Our Country Live, sometime this year? I'm hopeful. Um, people are getting vaccinated. Um, I've been contacted for tours and gigs and things like that. But until we get more clarification, I'm a little suspect. <laughs> but I do see light at the end of the tunnel. So maybe some, some performances are in our future then, which would be amazing, yes. Miko Marks. Um, leave us with any final thoughts that you would like to, to share about your album, Our Country, what you would like listeners to know about it, or if you have a favorite song off the album. Um, our Country, it comes out on March 26th, and I'm really, really really happy with this work that I've done. Um, I didn't see another album in my future. Um, so this is really, uh, huh. it just tells me that things um, might not go how you think they're going to go. <laughs> and so um, one last thing, um, my favorite song on the album is Travel Light. And um, I hope you go and get this album and stream it as much as you want. And buy it. <laughs> Why didn't you see another album in your future, Miko Marks? Well, I was just kind of discouraged and I was kind of done recording. I feel, feel like I had two good projects, Freeway Brown, and it feels good. So I was kind of like, that's an, I was happy with what I had put out, but God had other plans. <laughs> well, we're going to end with hard times. Is there anything you want to say about this before we play it? This song um, was written by Stephen Foster, um, and he used it in minstrel shows. And so we wanted to repurpose this song. I had heard Made the Staples do this, and I really wanted to ingrain a new, a new face onto this song as well. So I hope you enjoy. Well, Miko Marks, thanks for talking with us. Congratulations on the album. Thank you, Mimi. This is. Hard times from our country.
Monorail produced today's segment. Forum is also produced by Susan Britton, Judy Campbell, Blanca Torres, Tina Lauerberg. Our engineers, Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Our interns, Leslie Torres and Kimia Akbari. Executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. Chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Mina Kim. Have a great weekend. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.